0: What's up, y'all? Y'all been hearing me talk about Jack Daniels, our presenting sponsors, Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Always enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for everything you do, all of the different sectors of this wonderful thing we call life that you're involved in, what you support, freedom, military, blue line, families, communities, conservation, outdoors, responsibility. Every drip, every drop, every drip and drop of Jack Daniels that you see across the world. And when I say world, it's sold in 177 freaking countries. And every bit of that Jack Daniels is made in one place, one distillery, Lynchburg, Tennessee, y'all even fathom that you know like there's other brands like Coca-Cola Budweiser great American iconic brands that are made in different breweries and canning operations all over the world and then distributed out Jack Daniel's is made in Lynchburg Tennessee. Do you know how many millions of gallons it takes to sell in 177 countries? The folks down there, the family down there, the aura, the culture, the vibe is so awesome. We just got back from Lynchburg, Tennessee for the 2021 The Jack is Back World Championship barbecue. I got to run with Tuffy Stone, six-time world champion, three-time Jack winner. It was some of the coolest experiences of my life and I learned even more about humility being around Tuffy Stone, seeing how he treated people. He took time out of his day to talk to every single person that came up and wanted them to sign a book, sign a barrel lid, sign a hat. Amazing. He makes chicken and brisket and ribs taste good. And the dude is a freaking celebrity and just a badass human being. Thank you, Tuffy Stone, the Cool Smoke team for having me opening your doors and letting me live in your shoes for a couple days. I also met another new friend when I was in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and she is our guest today. She has a company called Girls Can Grill, At girlscangrill.com, Christy Vanover is a backyard aficionado. That's what I call people like Christy. I got to hang with her and her sister again. They are badass people. You know why? Because we share a common love for the outdoors and family and backyard and enjoying Jack Daniels responsibly. And also, this lady was a judge. And that's what I really want to talk about today is how in the hell can you tell the difference in all of these top 25 pit masters in the world miss christie welcome to the show
1: thanks so much for having me chad i'm looking forward to this
0: heck yeah you are uh you're just you know you're back in las vegas after spending time in lynchburg i assume you had been there before
1: yes yes that was my fourth time judging
0: is it the coolest place in america one of them
1: it's so magical like just to be brought back kind of to a piece of history to way things kind of used to be people open the door for you they say sir or ma'am they they don't know you and they feed you you know they bring you in for a drink or for a nice meal and yeah it's it's americana all captured into this little town that (laughs) manufactures an abundance of whiskey it's it's amazing
0: and it's a it's just a cool family. I mean just the whole Jack family from Kevin the barrel man to, to Diane to Greg to Casey to Tommy to I mean Dave up on the hill the 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 trailers up on top of barbecue hill.
1: Yeah. An
0: amazing place.
1: Yeah. They really, I mean, once you get to know them, you become family immediately. And having been there for now four years, you just, the family grows larger each time, but they would all give you the shirts off their back. It's, it's an incredible feeling to have those type of people in your, in your world.
0: Yeah. What did you think? Honestly, be honest now I'm putting you on the spot here. (laughs) what did you think of Dean James and the treatment on that little Friday night concert?
1: Oh my God, were they amazing. Like I recorded so much of them uh, I, and danced my butt <laughs> off to them. They were phenomenal. What they could do on the keyboards and on the guitars and the drums. I mean, it's just so entertaining. You know, you were there, like at the end, they were like, okay, you know, last call, we're going to do one, one more song. And we were like, three more, three more. And then I think they did like five or six more. It was, the crowd just didn't want to have them stop playing. It was just so fun.
0: I think that because of the... The kind of the stipulations of Barbecue Hill and, and what the responsibility of, you know, the the event taking place and starting early the next day. And a lot of the pitmasters leaving at like 1 or 2 in the morning to go start their fires and get their cookers ready. Um, I think that Greg or somebody, Jack Daniels, literally had to have the AV team pull the plug because everybody's <laughs> right. having so much fun. Yeah,
1: but yeah. yeah. Dean,
0: <laughs> Dean James has got so much talent. But that kind of kicked off a, a weekend of just – um, stories and reminiscing and friendships being bonded and formed. And then it's, there's some competition there. But the, the thing that was weird about it to me is even during the award ceremony. And seeing get basted up there as the grand champion, well-deserved, because I got to eat some of his food, because Tuffy Stone walked me Mm -hmm. over there, and Tim took first in the ribs, and I got to eat his ribs. That dude can make pork taste amazing. Um, Yeah. But there uh, there was never one time... You know, you go to a football game, and you hear the crowd, like, they want their team to win, and they are fighting with the other fans. You know, like we're the best, you know, and the World Series or the the playoffs right now, it's LA Dodgers against the Braves and the Dodgers fans are pissed and there was none of that here. Even though these guys are competing for big money, more so credibility and just the 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 ability to call themselves the grand champion for one year of the Jack Daniel's Invitational. I never sensed competition among the competitors. That's what's kind of cool about the Jack
1: Yeah. That's, that's, what's cool about barbecue. So I'm a competitive pit master in addition to a judge for competitions. Um, And that the family within barbecue community is amazing. I mean, I've shown up to a comp and forgotten an ingredient and been able to go to the guy next to me and say, you know what, I forgot this sauce. Do you have any extra? And he'll be like, yeah, I've got this much you can use. And they lend it to you. They, they team up with you because they want to beat you at your best game. They don't want to beat you because you forgot an ingredient and the Jack itself, the fact that the Jack is back, like all of the, teams who are, they are friends, but they live all over the world or all over the country, you know, with COVID and everything, they haven't been able to get together as frequently as we have in the past. And so for them all to reunite in the holler, and it doesn't matter if it's muddy, it doesn't matter if it's sunny, it just doesn't matter. Like everybody just comes back together and they light their fires. They get around, they feed each other before the big event, just like Tuffy did, you know, had a bunch of teams in there. You're right. There's not the competitive edge of wanting to beat somebody, and like not care for that person. Like if someone else beats you and they get a call, you're still excited for them. You're disappointed in yourself, but because it's an independent competitive sport, it's really what you deliver and what you bring to the table. So if you give your best, and you win, awesome. If someone else gave their best, you know, you're proud and excited for them too.
0: So do, how, how do you yourself qualify? What is your experience or what is your credibility to be called upon to be a judge? And, and what gives you the audacity to judge one toughy stone or get based in (laughs) what gives you the audacity, Miss Christie? How do you even sleep at night thinking that you can judge these world champion pitmasters?
1: That is a very fair question. And I I will proudly say that most of the people in the tent are either master CBJs, which is a certified barbecue judge, which means they've judged 30 times or more, or they're members of the Barbecue Hall of Fame, like Chris Lilly. Um, Dr. Barbecue is usually in there. Um, Mike Mills used to judge in there. Um, So it's that caliber of people up there is is phenomenal. And am I at that level? Absolutely not. I haven't won a world championship. I'm not a barbecue hall of famer. Um, But I feel like I know barbecue. I know the competitive side of barbecue as well. And I think that's one of the things that the teams appreciate about me being in the tent is that I understand what it takes to prepare that perfect bite. I know what judges are looking for as a CBJ myself. And so I can, I add value by understanding what exactly that perfect bite is to give those scores of a 999. I also judge... So nine is a perfect score. You judge on taste, tenderness, and appearance. And so I always start at the top, especially at a world championships. Everything that comes in front of me, I'm expecting it to be a nine. And then from there, it might slip down a little. There are other judges who will actually start at the bottom, which the lowest score is a one, which is a disqualified. So you know, usually they'll like kind of grade it like a six or above. And I think that that's the wrong approach. I think you should expect, especially at world food championships for the best bite to be in the box, it's gonna be a nine. And then occasionally you'll find some where, You know, maybe it has a little bit too much of the smoke flavor, or maybe it got a little bit too spicy, um, or the tenderness. Usually it's a matter of tenderness over taste. That is where the score starts to slip just a little bit. You know, maybe something's a little too tender. We had a lot of that this time, um, or sometimes too tight, like if your ribs are too tight.
0: But you also don't want them to fall off the bone.
1: Correct. That's the challenge. Competition barbecue, the taste and the execution is so much different than backyard barbecue, or even going to a restaurant like Famous Dave's, who was a judge, by the way, he was judging at my table, but like you go to his restaurant and you're going to get fall off the bone ribs. That's what people traditionally want. But when you go to a competition, you actually, it's, it's the execution of being able to cook it to the a beautiful tenderness where you just take a bite and the meat comes off cleanly, but of just of your bite but then the rest of it stays on the bone so if you can nail that mark then that's going to give you that perfect nine and tenderness
0: okay i gotta ask you this real quick though so you're sitting at this judge's table and these the walk to the tent's a big deal these pit masters they come out of their trailer they got this box that they put all the they put the garments in there and then they lay out the food and jack it was seven serving seven portions hence the you know the jack old number seven um but it's chicken, it's ribs, it's pulled pork or whatever kind of pork you're going to do. It's brisket, mm-hmm. and it's uh, – what am I missing? They brisket. had a couple
1: uh, – those are the big four for those the Those K- are the four. KCBS. Those are the four. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the ancillary contest for sauce, yeah. cook's choice, and dessert.
0: And dessert. Um, I saw some cool desserts. Um, yeah. But you're sitting at this table, and you have these Styrofoam boxes coming in front of you. Like, you get – you open one up. And that box is all cool smokes. There's seven portions are laid out. You put a fork in there and mm-hmm. take a little bit off or how do they portion it out first of all?
1: So traditionally at a competition, what Wait, they wait, wait, do let me they, back they up. That was a whole, dumb
0: question. I'm sorry, I'm yes. sorry, Miss Chrissy. Okay, how, okay. j- how many judges are judging for the grand champion?
1: Okay, that's a great question. So in a, any KCBS competition, that's the Kansas City Barbecue Society, there are six judges per table. So let's say there's 48 teams, then each... Judge is going to get six portions from six different teams, and then there'll be subsequent tables. So, like, not everybody in that whole place tasted cool smoke. One table of six tasted cool smoke. Oh, so it's a conglomerate. Correct. Along with five other teams, will be on that table. So it's a matter, actually of winning your table. Like you want to be the best at your table versus the best in the, in the whole, you know, in all the tables. And if you're the best at the table, then basically it's, let's say there's eight tables in this, there's a lot more than that. But if there's, you know, eight, 10 tables, whatever, then it's those top, whoever's winning those tables. It's really a score chase between those. But yeah, so the, Uh. the boxes the six boxes come to the table and there's a table captain and the table captain opens the box and shows it to all the judges. And the first thing that we judge on is appearance. Does this look appetizing? Does this meat look delicious? Is this something I want to eat? So they go through and they open each box and they do that for each box. And then it gets to the point where then you take your piece due to COVID. They had to serve us this time. Usually though the judge will just reach in and gra- and grab their piece. Once you have all six pieces from six different teams on your placemat, then you start judging the first one and you do don't judge them against each other. That's definitely not, you shouldn't take a bite of one and then take a bite of the third one and then go, Oh, you know what? The first one was better. Let me go back and change that score. It's independent voting for each bite. You finish your card, you go into the next one, erase your mind from the bite you had previously. You're judging it just on itself. So one may be a little bit spicier, but that shouldn't matter. It's just, does this one taste delicious? Is the texture perfect? And then obviously the appearance as well.
0: So in a sushi bar, people get this little tray and it's got wasabi in there that you you know we always put way too much soy sauce on our fish as americans <laughs> in my opinion um, but then there's ginger that ginger is a palate cleanser that ginger mm-hmm. is supposed to let you taste the difference between a salmon or a yellowtail or a tuna or a, a mackerel or a unagi or a octopus or whatever you're eating how do you cleanse your Absolutely. palate in between bites if you if you have six bites of rib on your plate at one time How do you not know that when you taste this one, you still don't have some of this one left on your palate?
1: So we are given oyster crackers or saltines. It depends on the competition. This one, we're given oyster crackers. So I'm always eating at least one oyster cracker, swishing my mouth with water, letting it rest a second, and then going on to the next bite. And if I want to take a second bite or third bite of that one I'm judging, then I'll do that before switching to another cracker. But yes, it's it's really important to cleanse your palate because the sauces are different and you don't want a little bit of that lingering, you know, rib stuck in your tooth that you really taste in the last guy's, you know, cook versus the one that you're testing then. So that's the technique that we use.
0: um chicken skin i got to walk around i got to walk around some different uh hqs i guess of the different pitmasters um placed along the grounds there at the park in lynchburg and some was an enjoyable bite but i could really tell like that it wasn't done enough. There was too much pull on the skin to where your teeth went through it, but it didn't come off with the meat on the thigh. I love chicken thigh when the skin's done right. I'm a waterfowl hunter, Miss Christy, so I love Rest. rendering. Re- rendering. I love crispy skin. I love speckle belly geese in California with crispy skin. I love that part of it. Um, is this a big part of the chicken? Because a lot of the chicken tasted good, but the skin was a little bit off for me on some of them.
1: Absolutely. That's actually like probably one of the hardest things, I think. I mean, brisket's probably the hardest cut to cook, but when it comes to chicken, a lot of people actually have been starting to switch to drums. There's not a, you can cook any part of the chicken. You could turn in six breasts, or in this case, seven, because, um, well, with I, I take that back. With The jack's a little bit different. With traditional KCBS comps, it's six pieces of any part of the chicken. So you could do six wings, breast, thighs, um, etc. With this one, you did have to do six pieces of dark meat and one piece of light meat. So surprisingly on my table, I actually had uh, three legs and three thighs. So what teams have been experimenting with over the past couple of years is using the legs instead of the thighs because that meat does render, or excuse me, the fat does render it more easily so that you don't have to do a lot of pre-work in order to get the skins ready. The the Just the biggest challenge is working around that tendon and either clipping it out or before the cook or after the cook so the judge doesn't bite the tendon right there in the drum. But with the thighs, a technique that most people use is they will actually take the skins off. They will jacquard them poke them with a lot of holes basically and or scrape the fat on the underside off and then put them back on the thigh because if you don't do that and if you don't render it down enough you're going to have the exact experience that you talked about to where they take that bite and the inside and the meat is great but it's got that pull and that tug that's just not really enjoyable on the palate
0: uh, I I think that it's so it's, it's so interesting to me to be like, you know, you've already said some stuff about what chicken's supposed to be, but when you go into a chicken restaurant, it's not that or famous Dave's ribs are not what a competition rib should be. You know, like the education process of becoming a fine barbecue connoisseur is so important to me and going around to the, the, the Houston or the Memphis and May or the Kansas City Royal or, or the Jack, I've learned all of the, you know, how, what a piece of brisket's supposed to look like as it lays over your index finger. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want you to explain to me though. Like, there's so much that was going through my head as I listened to the awards come down for the top ten. And you know, you take away the subsidiaries, like the sauce and the dessert and everything, and the and the the choice, the people's choice. I want to talk about getting basted, the grand champion. There was sometimes his number was not called, his name was not called in a in a at least two of the top tens of the meets. How mm-hmm. I know that he's the overall points leader, but just that day of barbecuing how in the hell can you win grand champion if you're at least not placing in the top 10 of all of them
1: it all comes down to consistency and that's the thing i think any barbecue class you go to or any pitmaster competitive pitmaster you talk to that's the number one thing is consistency you actually could place maybe 4th or 5th all through all the categories or you know 5 or above and still get grand champion. Or in this case, you could be maybe 12th and not get a call and still be grand champion. If all, if all four of your meats are high enough and then you have a couple up there that are really top, you know, first, second, third, it's possible the way the points land because that the other folks may not be as consistent. So they might get a first place call in chicken or fifth place call in chicken, but then everything else that they're cooking falls flat. Maybe they're then they're like 30th or 60th. And so it's a points total, it's adding up all those points together. And if you can maintain to where the the perfect score is a 180 so if you can get in the 170s and above you know once for comp like this 175s and above on all four of your meats then you've got a really great chance but if you slip and your brisket happened to get a 160 or even you know god forsake a 150 which would be traumatizing but if you're getting down to those levels then there's no way you're going to be up there towards the top so it's all that consistency
0: wow that it's just that was that was really interesting to me of like Wow, you can become, you know, there were several teams that had pretty good placings in the entire, you know, in all four of the categories for the four meets, but the one that won it was not in all the top 10. So, but again, it's those tables and winning that table. And just because like every judge didn't, you know, agree that that, that get that maybe get basted's ribs weren't the number one because Tim won ribs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if get basted was in there, but Tim wins a top, a, a number one in one of the categories. And I think he ends up like sixth fifth or sixth or seventh overall in the grand does that sound about right if you remember
1: uh, I think so. And then like, even looking at big Papa smokers, they're out here on the, on the West coast. I don't know if he had a chance to meet Sterling ball, but I don't, I think he, I think he maybe got one call and perhaps brisket. I think it was down in the ninth place or so. Um sorry, Sterling, if I got that wrong, but in the end, he ended up fourth or fifth overall. So he had only one call, but he was so consistent across the board with the rest of his meets comparatively to everybody else who competed that that was good enough to get him up there toward the top at the end.
0: Um. I, I think that, tell me this real quick. I kept hearing a lot of this being floated around the grounds too, Ms. Christie, of mm-hmm. that this is, the, this is the World Series. This is the Jack. Why? Why? Why is Memphis and May or Houston or the Royal not considered? Why is everybody so high on the Jack?
1: Yes, it's definitely considered the most premier barbecue competition in the world. I mean, usually it is a world championship where teams, international teams come in due to COVID. They just couldn't do that this time. But the the I think what makes it so special is, one, the location. I mean, as you explained in your opening, just the beauty of Lynchburg. But two, what it requires to qualify for the Jack. So... The Royal, as an example, is a KCBS competition. And in order to, well, first of all, there's two competitions. There's the Invitational, which any team in America can sign up and compete. And that's when you have like 600, 800 teams when it's not COVID competing against each other for that world championship. And then they have what's called the Invitational. And to be invited to compete at the American Royal, you just have, well, I shouldn't say just, it's challenging, but you have to win one grand champion in order to qualify. And then you can compete at the Open, or excuse me, at the Invitational. And there's still probably a Hundred plus teams at that competition. When it comes to the Jack, not only do you have to win a grand championship, but then your name, basically, or your bung, like the whiskey bung, goes into a draw. And so, let's say in California, you want a California state championship. Well, they might have five state championships, and if you won one, there's four other people who are going to get have a chance to get a draw for California. So the chances of you getting into the Jack are really slim. The only other ways that you can get in is if there's you're the only team from your state to have won. So for instance, if you decide to get into barbecue and you represented in Nevada and you won, no other Nevada teams won, then you'd get an automatic draw because they try to represent each state. Um, Another way is if you've got seven grand championships within one single year, then that gets you an automatic bid. A couple of teams have done that. Um, Travis Clark, who actually won last year, that's how he got in. And he won, I think, seven. He got seven wins for like five years in a row. Like that's how he can, he's just, he's the goat. He's amazing. Um, And then um, the other way that you can get an invitation is if you win the American Royal or Memphis in May, or I think Houston rodeo, and then you get in. So the, the, to get in, you are the highest caliber. I mean, it's, it's really, really challenging.
0: Where do you fit in this picture personally? (laughs) Do you have aspirations of competing here? Do you competition cook personally? And is your goal, to win the jack.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. So I've been competing for a couple of years now, um, probably probably three or four now. The challenge on the West Coast is there's not a lot of competitions out West, especially with COVID. A lot of stuff got shut down, especially in California. Um, so I was on track in twenty. 20- 20 my calendar was lined up where i was going to do 10 competitions and i was on a roll in 2019 i had the number two brisket by points in the country based on um, the number of comps that i had cooked at so i was doing really well i was on a roll and then COVID hit and i think in 2019 i had maybe two competitions and i actually I got third place and I lost to getting basted and his wife actually cooked that day and I I lost her. (laughs) She was second and I was was third after that, but I won brisket. Um, So And then everything shut down. And so this year I've only been able to compete twice. Um, Definitely got a little bit rusty. I've got a comp actually in two weeks in Indio, California that I'm really looking forward to. But I'm super hoping that 2022 opens back up. I can get back in there because my dream is absolutely to cook at the Jack. I love to judge the Jack and now that I've judged it, I feel even better. But to to cook at the Jack and my goal for every comp is, you know, of course, I want to win. But my goal is always have my name called. But most importantly, have fun with my family and with my friends, because my family is comes along with me to cook my husband and my in-laws. And they kind of do all the logistics for me. My mother-in-law does the dishes. God bless her heart. Um, And I do all the cooking. So if they're happy and I'm happy, that's number one. Um, Obviously, being there with my barbecue buddies. And then if I get a call that that always makes my day.
0: And do you think do you get competitive? Like when you're at these competitions, I understand that the the culture and the the environment is is what we discussed a couple minutes ago. But how competitive are you with yourself as far as creating the best possible barbecue?
1: I'm, I'm get very competitive in that two hour window. So I'm pretty chill, like during the cook, you know, lighting the pits, checking everything out. But during that, during that two hour window when we're turning everything in, um, I kind of turn into a little bit bitch mode. People tell me, cause I'm just like, okay this is what it's all about. You know, we've spent more than a thousand dollars to get here and to do this. We've got to make it work. And, and I, I'm definitely hard on myself. If, you know, if my ribs don't if they're a little more tight than I expected and I try to find the best bones in the box. That's kind of my weakness right now is with ribs. Um, but yeah, I get hard on myself, but not, I mean, I don't, it's again, it comes back to, okay, I didn't get a call, but did I have fun? Was I with my family and, you know, was it a good day? So yeah, I'm, I've always been an independent, um, competitive person. I was a gymnast and a diver and a lot of other sports, but that was always kind of individual sports for me. So yeah, I always want to bring my best practice a lot and, uh, try new flavor profiles and yeah.
0: What is your favorite that you do so far? You're, you know, to this date right now, what's the thing that's blown your mind the most that, that you've created?
1: My brisket is, I mean, it's, I've had people repeatedly tell me, even some of the people, teams competing at the Jack, saying that my brisket is among the top five briskets they've tasted. So that's, that's just like. Yeah, I, I can't I, I can't even put it into words like for people of that caliber to appreciate the brisket that I turn out is, is really something special. So I appreciate that.
0: Are you a fan of eating brisket?
1: Yeah. Is it your favorite? I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely a beef girl.
0: You I love, I love the beef. brisket.
1: I do. What
0: is the secret of is it is it fast? and Is it high heat and fast? Or is it slow and low? What is the secret?
1: You know, I used to cook low and slow. I definitely do hot and fast now. So I'm cooking at about 325 degrees Um, secret to competition barbecue brisket is you've got to start with a good brisket. I'm using the Wagyu gold from Snake River Farms. Um, Other people are using a nines from Australia, but Wagyu something with really good marbling is important. Um, As a judge. In, interestingly enough when I, since I've judged the jack multiple times and sitting next to these hall of famers and others who are talking to me about their their brisket what I what I heard over and over a couple years ago was that brisket didn't taste like beef anymore it tasted like msg and injections because that's usually a, a tactic that barbecue hip masters do i do myself i inject my brisket but what people were injecting it with is um too artificial, like I said, with the MSGs and just other things that it was changing the flavor to where they weren't tasting the beef components. So I took it upon myself. That was probably in 20 either 2018 or 2019 when I was hearing that feedback. So I changed my beef profile. I actually came out with my own brisket rub um, that sold through Spiceology and with all of that in mind. And now that's, I cook my beef so that it's got a great brisket flavor. So I do an injection with it. I smoke it at that 325-ish temperature. It's all about getting the bark and the color first. People ask me about time. It's not about time. It's about color when I get that nice color, then I actually put it in a half pan, an aluminum foil half pan. And that's when I add some beef broth to it and cover it with foil and then let it finish, take the foil back off so I get that bark back um, and then just test it with the seasoning just to see if it needs another little small hit of something um, just a fine dusting for that final pop. But it's all about tenderness and understanding when you put your probe in there toward the end, you want it to be like butter. You just want that, that thermometer to just slide in and out of it. Um, and I do separate my flat from my point. So for those who don't know brisket, it comes, the brisket itself is two muscles, the flat and the point. The flat is a lot leaner and the point is the fattier side where the uh, burn ends come from. So I separate them because they do cook a little bit differently. But I actually learned a lot of the tips from Brad and Tim. They offer cooking classes, you know, getting basted and shake and bake. Um, Travis Clark offers a cooking class. So I've gone to a lot of these world championship classes to learn the techniques and i've kind of combined what they do mixed with flavor profiles that i like feedback i've gotten from other judges and come up with my own kind of style
0: and do you think that in the world of sporting events and how female sports have been viewed with male sports over the years and now we have the WNBA, and we have you know scholarships and, and and fairness and balance which i love i love that my daughter has an opportunity do you see equal balance in the game of barbecue male versus female
1: I do. And I think it's different than basketball per se or, or other sports that are more physical, because obviously your body doesn't matter. You can be, I took a fun picture with Tim. I mean, you can be however the heck tall he is six foot 11. I don't know. Or you can be me four foot 11. So it doesn't matter how tall you are, how strong you are, how um, voluptuous you are, how overweight you are, how skinny you are. None of that matters. So I think that's why gender doesn't really matter. It really just comes down to your palate and you know, your ability to master. your your fire and and understand meat and how meat cooks and good flavor profile so I think it's one of those sports that crosses the gender lines and I've seen more and more females coming out I mean obviously there's females like Amy Mills and Leanne Whippin who were judges this year who have been inspirations for a lot of women like myself um and Lene Oxley from Sugar she was out there cooking and their team got some great calls so it's um it's definitely diversified which is awesome
0: I think that's so cool. Are you starting to see more and more women take that leap into the competition side of things?
1: I'm, what I've seen over the past two years is more and more women grilling. And I think the pellet grill has definitely introduced women to a new comfort, comfortability to grilling. So when I started Girls Can Grill about six years ago, what I was hearing from women is Um, A, they were scared of propane and, you know, igniting their gas grill because the fire sometimes just poofs and kind of freaks them out Um, or B, charcoal. They didn't like the getting dirty and then having to deal with the ashes. So then when pellet grills were introduced and became a little bit more mainstream a couple of years ago, it really made grilling more approachable. And I have found over the years, um, especially through Instagram and other things, you'll see more and more women out there cooking all sorts of things on the grill. And then over time, once they get that comfortability, then they start to transition excuse me, and try out the charcoal and try out some of the other things, try out the live fire cooking like I like to do over just an open campfire. Um, They're starting to experiment more. So while I haven't seen a huge insurgence of competitive pitmasters who are female, I think we're going to get there. I think because now more of them are more comfortable and then they see people in the sport like myself or like others, I think that they're starting to get introduced to it. And I I hope in the next two to three years that we do see a big spike.
0: Be honest with me, Christy. Do you know that you're eating Getting Basted or Get Basted or Tim's Ribs? Do you know when it hits your mouth that it's theirs?
1: I don't. No, and part of the reason I would say that—
0: you've judged other competitions with them in it, so how do you not remember that when they win every— I mean, Tim's been winning— and I mean, Get Basted's been winning Mm -hmm. everything, so you don't remember the the flavor profile, or do they change it up from time to time?
1: I would say it's a mix. I um, have—a lot of teams do change up their flavor profiles because they will actually go and look and see who the judges are, and they kind of— prejudge the judges. If it's a, a bunch of older women, um, they may tone down their spice level. Um, if it's um, you know younger guys, then they might keep their spice level a little bit higher. So I know that there are, are championship teams who do that. They kind of survey the judges. But what I would also say is that because of what Brad and Tim have with the Barbecue League, which is an online program that you can join and learn kind of their tips and tricks, um, they share their recipes. So there's a lot of people actually cooking their recipes using the Blue's Hog, using the different um, seasonings and spicing spices that they offer cooking with the same charcoal cooking on the same cookers there's people basically mimicking what they do and Brad and Tim are confident enough to share their exact recipes because they know that they can still crush it because at the end of the day it still comes down to your skill set to your understanding of managing fire to knowing when it needs another little pop of flavor to knowing oh my tenderness isn't right how can I adjust it at the last minute and even though they teach it all they just still are like the superheroes that have that magic touch. So a lot of the flavors may taste the same. And I even actually heard, I think it was Famous Dave say, you know, I taste a lot of Blue's Hog today because that's the Blue's Hog Tennessee Red is what a lot of people use to wrap their pork or their um, ribs. Um, the Blue's Hog sauce, original sauce, a lot of people are using on, you know, the different, different components of their cooks too. So flavors are similar. Um, so that's why I, I just, I don't know. I can't tell.
0: Have you ever opened a box and went, whoa, presentation sucks, but then you tasted it, they still score high, even though you're looking at it like, wow, they didn't really take the time. Does anybody not take the time? Do they get in a rush and it's not like exactly what you want that box to look at when you open it?
1: I would say not at the Jack. Um, The Jack, those folks know what they're doing. However, when I've judged and there's been international teams there, I would say that their presentation's not necessarily as traditional as America barbecue, but we don't judge differently because of that. So again, one thing that some judges fall into a trap of is they will see a box of pork, for instance, and there's a, a cut that's basically like the loin of the pork, but that's called the money muscle because money, because that was the winner. Like if you, in the past, if you put that in the box, that was money that was going to get you a win. Well, now everybody pretty much puts money muscle in the box. That's all some people turn in. Some people still turn in pulled or chunks or tubes. Um, but anyway, so some judges unfortunately have the perception: Oh well, if they didn't put money, 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 muscle in the box, and they probably don't know how to cook it, so I'm going to score them down on appearance. That's the wrong way to judge. It should be based solely on what's in the box. Does this look appetizing? So when we got some other turn-ins, which I can only assume were from international teams because they didn't look their traditional way, sometimes they would just pull it, put in a box of just all pulled pork. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is allowed by KCBS rules and should absolutely qualify for a nine so long as it looks appetizing. But yes, you'll see in the past at the Jack, that's the only time is when there's been international teams where I'd seen one that's maybe a little sloppy. Maybe they didn't wipe the sauce from the edge. Um, You might see that more in regular KCBS comps or definitely backyard comps. But this year, there was no bad boxes. Everything looked gorgeous. Mm -hmm.
0: Is it really important though? Like when you open it up, does that, is that like first impressions? Like you hear that all the time, never get a second chance to make a first impression. Is that the same with barbecue?
1: You know, it is, um, But you're supposed to, as a judge, score it independently, score each category independently. So appearance comes first. And yes, you should say, boy, that looks appetizing. That's a nine. Now you get something and maybe it doesn't look as appetizing. You know, the color might look wrong on the on the chicken. And maybe you can just tell by looking at it that the skins aren't cooked all the way through. So that might you might throw a seven because it doesn't look appetizing. But then when you get to your taste, if you are wrong and that appearance is wrong and you bite through and that's actually really tender and and the skin cuts through nicely, then you should still score it a nine or eight if it deserves it but most of the time i would say if it doesn't look super advertising or it looks dry before you even take a bite it probably will be so then it will probably be reflective um, but there's a chance it could it could still score well
0: that's interesting to me um, because there's so much time that's put into that part of it of making those I mean it doesn't even look like real barbecue, it's so pretty to <laughs> me, man it almost looks like those yep. m- those photo props, you know like the fake food, but um, yeah so overall. Christy, talk to me, you know, let's end it by your overall feeling of the 2021, the back of all the shirts. The motto was the Jack is back. Um, the The park was packed. The numbers were a little down, but again, people are still a little hesitant. It'll come back all the way. Um, mm. The trophies, the 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 trophy, the celebration at the end, it was all so key and so nice to see everybody getting along and supporting each other. The high fives, the hugs, the tent would go nuts when somebody's name was called they all support each other so much because you just never know next year it could be somebody else's turn you mm-hmm. know it's going to be it's all going to keep transitioning and the pallets are going to change the judges are going to change and those people that support the ones that are winning now are the ones that are going to be winning and have the support from the past winners so overall talk to me about it let's let's go out with a bang of how awesome the 2021 jack was
1: it was it was amazing it was so beautiful I left with such a high that lasted for days by the time I was back in Vegas I mean from from the start I mean first of all you just drive into Lynchburg and it's beautiful and you know the leaves are changing which is not what you commonly see in Las Vegas so there's just all of that just the smell in the air of the mash just all of that was great and then you We kicked it off with barbecue hill with, with that band with the James Dean and the treatment. I mean, that, that was a great stage setter for everything. And then just being with family. And I loved the, the slogan, the Jack is back because it just gave that resurgence of energy. I think that we've all been looking for post COVID. If we're in fact, even post COVID, who knows anymore. Um, but it, it felt normal again. It felt like what life used to be like, and it was irreplaceable. And I'm so excited for 2022. I think it's going to be even better. I think, like you said, there was a little bit of apprehension of, of the spectators, should they come out or not? Even some vendors, you know, struggling of like, you know, it's been hard for me to keep in business for all this time. Should I vend? You know, it's, they've been struggling. And I think we're get Now that we've seen that it can be done, it can happen. And it was so amazing. And the team's Executed fabulously, like they always do. Um, I know a couple of the teams that I talked to who were there for the first time. They're like, "Oh my god, I'm going to win every year because I've got to come back to the Jack." So, yeah, I can't wait to go back myself.
0: I cannot wait to. First off, it was a pleasure meeting you. You and your sister are awesome, and I loved our time around the campfire and Absolutely. and just that's what's so neat about this life is you just never know when you wake up in your bed in Reno, Nevada. You're in Las Vegas, where my alma mater and college is. You mm-hmm. just have no idea that's going on in Lynchburg. I could have been up at Lake Tahoe that weekend, you know, sure. on, on the beach, you know, enjoying a boat ride. And you just have no There's so many, so, much cool thing, so many cool things going on in this world that a lot of us aren't privy to. And I love that about media and podcasting. I'm not a huge fan of where social media has taken a lot of of what we do in a lot of different sectors of our life. But at least it gives us the ability to stay in touch and understand that there's a lot of life out there. And being in Lynchburg and meeting folks like you and your sister and being around Glenn and Greg and Casey and Dean James and Tommy Miller and Dave and and, uh, Kevin the Barrel Man. I mean, the hospitality Mm. party on Saturday night. I mean, we opened a bottle of Sinatra Century Uh, the, the, the speeches that were going on, the awards he got the license plate from Illinois, it's, I just love life. And I think that, that when people see a bottle of Jack Daniels up on the shelf at their local grocery store or liquor store or the bar, their local pub that they sit there and talk to that bartender, I want him to think about this of what it really means for that bottle to have that label on it and how lucky that glass is to be branded jack daniels um those barrels how lucky that wood is to have that liquid touch them and how lucky that liquid is to have that oak you know to sit in for that long an average of four to seven years there's so much that goes into a brand like jack daniels i don't want people to ever think that I'm not saying that we all don't have different palettes, Miss Christie. I'm not saying that that get basted is better than Tuffy Stone or Tuffy Stone is better than Get Basted. We, it, everything comes and goes, you know, there's always the ebb and flows of everything. So listen to me when I say this, please. There used to be a commercial for hot sauce or, or salsa called Pace Picante, and it was it was made in New York City, right? It couldn't be <laughs> yeah. real. There's all there's this analogy or misconception that this barbecue sauce sucks because it's on the store shelves, and mine's way better because it's homemade. Well, at one time, that barbecue sauce in most cases, not say in all cases, but that was the the homemade barbecue sauce. And it just got big because the word spread. Jack mm-hmm. Daniels is huge. But then there's that analogy that, well, there's a lot of custom whiskeys out there. Budweiser sucks because these micro brews are way better, and this is way better than at one Budweiser's big because it tastes so good. That's why people drink it, okay? I just want right. it to be known that Jack Daniels is everywhere for a reason. It's not only distilled and charcoaled the correct way to get it the flavors that it's gotten, but it's the aura in the culture and the story. It's the iconic branding that they've put on this story of who jack was and what it's been doing passed down from generation to generation from master distiller from master distiller jeff arnett was at the hospitality bar chris fletcher was around miss lexi phillips was around uh, the first female master distiller assistant to the master distiller in the history of the company just when you look at that bottle no matter where you see that old number seven or that gentleman or that single barrel think about what it goes into and the in the barbecue is just another part of that the military the everything that they do for So many different people in this world. That's what I want you to think about It doesn't have to be your favorite whiskey, but don't ever think oh, it's you know, it's just jack daniels It's everywhere. It's a generic whiskey. It's not it's the most taken care of most properly distilled Probably adult beverage spirit in the history of the world and I truly mean that it's the best there is and the people that live in lynchburg make it the best there is they made a promise that every day we're ma- that we make it we're going to make it the very best that we can and that's what the barbecue signified to me the best people the best people are there the best attitudes are there the supports there the best barbecue pit masters in the world are there i just think it was an unbelievable experience and i'm so proud that i met you and thank you for coming on the show
1: thanks so well said thank you <laughs>
0: I can't wait to do it again. So let's try to get together before the next Jack, October 2022. Thank you so much for everything that you do for barbecue. Tell your sister hello. And when I see you again, we will toast to Jack Daniels and sip on one and tell more stories. Cheers. That's Christy. GirlsCanGrill.com on Instagram. Yes. At GirlsCanGrill.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: All right, next time you cook a brisket, please put some in an overnight package wrapped in foil and send it my way. I'll send you my address.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) That's
0: another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody. Jack Daniels, thank you so much. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Y'all check out the world of barbecue, grilling, the Jack, all of these competitions. Get Get involved in a local one. Go judge. Go compete. Go see what you can do up against other people that think they have the chops to be a pit master. We can all be a backyard aficionado. Take pride. Have passion in what you serve to your friends and family, whether you're growing your own beef or buying it at the store, whether you're a hunter or a fisher, take pride in preparing that bounty. Know where your food comes from Know the story of it Respect the resource Have compassion for the animals that we pursue And serve the very best food that you can on that table As you toast your wine or your Jack Daniels I'm Chad Billing This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody Leith Lofton, please take us out This is what you're going to do when the money's all gone Cause I'd rather
1: be poor Living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul life on earth won't last too long so what you gonna do the money's all gone I'd rather be